It, does anybody else think Blessan is in the age category to now start playing badminton? <laughs> He's just suggested badminton is for people that are older in age, so uh, I think uh, maybe he should play badminton. It was also interesting, Olive told me earlier that uh, uh, her dad, whose birthday, Jonathan, is going to be, his birthday on Tuesday, she said, he, he's going to be older than my mum. That's what she announced to me, so uh, apparently that's going to be the case. I don't know if that is or not. But Jonathan's going to be older than Charlotte. You, you all know this now. Um, I, I, before we go into I've, I loved what Nathan interpreted. I thought it was a really wonderful interpretation. What I particularly loved and what really struck me, and I think this is relevant to what we're going to look at and think about today. The presence of God coming and changing our hearts. The way God's love is like being in a river where we're not having to, to strive. God's love bringing us into, into a freedom where, where life is not easy, but we flow in the goodness of God. And I, I had the image of the opposite, an experience from last summer when I was in a pedalo uh, with, with Jairus. Has anybody ever been in a pedalo? Does anybody know what that is? A boat where you're having to pedal to keep moving. I'm not sure what pedalo in Ukrainian is, uh, Tatiana, but a boat where you have to pedal. Um, and it's really hard work. I was in a, I was, we were on this like lake. Was it like a lake, lake wasn't it, Jairus? I can't remember, exa- remember exactly. Sorry? A pond. A pondy lake, right, okay. It's a new category of water, um, which is neither a lake or a pond. It's a pondy lake. Um, spell that as you like. Anyway, it was a pondy lake, and it was really, really hard work. They may have, I don't know why it was hard, but pedaling was really hard. And I just felt that contrast to me that living in the grace of God is not like being on a pedalo that is really hard work. You know, sometimes our lives can feel like we're really striving, things are really hard. But the grace of God, when we walk in the freedom that the love of God brings us, the river that flows from him, um, there is freedom. So I just uh, encourage us to, to, uh, to enjoy the, the grace of God. And I think that is going to be relevant to what we look at today. So thank you, Nathan, for, for interpreting that um, so well. Okay, so just to, to recap what we've been doing the last few times we've met. Um, I'm sure you'll all have remembered, um, but just in case you haven't. Um, so it, it just since Easter, when we've gathered together here in the community centre here, we've been looking at some of what, uh, uh, some of the different aspects of what it is to be a church family together, particularly some of the one anothering uh, statements that Jesus speaks about about us being a community together. So Rich, back in March. Um, looked at what it is to encourage one another, the importance of us as a church family to encourage one another, how valuable that is. I'm sure many of you here have lived in the good of being encouraged and how that strives and spurs you on to want to serve Jesus all the more in your life. Then Paul, last time we were together in May, he talked about the importance of being a family that serves one another. So that importance of serving, just as Jesus modelled serving us, that we too are to serve one another. And today we're going to spend some time considering another crucial um, aspect of being a well-functioning church family, um, which is that aspect of forgiving one another. So we're going to look at forgiveness, the idea of forgiveness um, today. Um, In a moment we're going to spend some time looking um, at the, a parable, a story that Jesus speaks of in Matthew 18. So if you've got a Bible or a phone or whatever you're going to use um, to, to get to Matthew 18, now's a good chance to be going to starting to look at uh, 
at that um, story. And it's a story that helps us understand the radical and pretty culturally scandalous view of forgiveness that Jesus helps us to understand. Now, forgiveness is a pretty complex and multi-dimensional thing. And I can't hope to do full justice to it in the next kind of 20, 25 minutes or so. Um, however, I do believe there's some really deep healing, some really deep work God wants to do in some of our hearts today. So I encourage us to be open to responding to him. It's a really debated area as well. Just in preparation for today, some of you might have seen this. Um, I know a couple of you uh, contributed. Just on my Facebook uh, feed this week, I just posted a question to help me to understand what people generally in the world, not that everybody in the world responded, but the general views of forgiveness in, in wider society. Um, and I asked this question, when you think of forgiveness or forgiving others, what first comes to mind? Now, it's really inter- I don't post a lot on Facebook. But one of the things that was interesting, within, within a couple of days, I had over 50 responses from people, a wide range of backgrounds, Christian, not Christian, old, young, different ethnicities, a whole raft of different responses from people that clearly felt this was something they wanted to trib- contribute to, to some discussion. Um, I know Carrie particularly got involved, which is great. One of the younger ones, yep. She doesn't play badminton. Um, Uh, And some of the responses were really, really interesting. I'm just going to share some briefly just to give you a sense of of what the different perceptions of forgiveness are within, within our society today. So somebody said, forgiveness can be so hard if it's a deep hurt. Somebody else said, I know psychologically, so in our minds, that forgiveness will be good for me, but I feel so angry. They should apologize Or recognize that they have wronged me before I apologize. Someone else said, it's easier said than done. But it is the right and good thing to do. Someone else said, it's hard. But actually, it's much easier than living with the pain of not doing it. Of not forgiving. Someone said, I can forgive for certain things, but not in every situation. And they listed some particular things that people might do wrong, that there's no place for forgiveness. Those things can't be forgiven. That was somebody else's view. Someone said, forgiveness isn't about letting the person or the people you're forgiving off the hook, but it's about forgiving as we are forgiven and living in the freedom that that brings. Just finally, somebody else said, we don't need to forget to be able to forgive, but if we truly forgive... We shouldn't find ourselves constantly thinking about the sin and the pain that we've been caused. Some of the most painful betrayals will never be erased from our memories. But we can still forgive and show that forgiveness by not bringing it up over and over again or replaying it in our minds, which can sometimes lead to bitterness and malice in our hearts. So that's just a bit of a snapshot of different views, but I think it highlights fundamentally how forgiveness is a really hard thing. It can be really difficult. And I'm sure there are many people sitting, listening to me right now who've experienced masses of hurt, masses of painful circumstances, have been wronged many times. And so as I speak now, there's a real weightiness to thinking about forgiveness. I don't talk about forgiveness as though it's a light and an easy thing. But yet I do think it's a really, really crucial thing if we are to function well as church family, And with our wider friends as well. It's really important that we understand what Jesus has to say about forgiveness. 
for what it means for us to live in the reality of what he has to say to us. So let's come to what Jesus has to say on this subject. He's our teacher, he's our guide, he's our shepherd, our saviour and our Lord. So I'm just going to pray and then Aidan, if you want to just come up, because Aidan's going to help us to read a bit of the passage. Lord Jesus, I just want to ask now that Holy Spirit, you would come and meet with us powerfully now. We're looking at a subject which can be very difficult for many of us for many different reasons. But I do believe, Holy Spirit, you want to do an amazing work in our hearts this morning. So please open our eyes and our hearts and our ears and our minds to be open to hearing from you and being changed as we encounter you today, Jesus. Amen. Right, so Aidan is going to read from from Aidan. Aidan chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. So you've had plenty of time to get ready for Matthew 18. Um, and we're starting, uh, there's going to be a couple of passages we look at, but we're going to start with one, it's one passage, sorry, but we're going to break it in into a couple of sections. So Aidan's going to read our first bit, which is um, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 to 22. Go for it. Then Peter, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Brilliant. Thanks, Aidan. Very well read. Now, the context of Matthew 18, I'm not going to go through the whole of Matthew 18, but this is Jesus gathering his, peop- his, his followers and instructing them on some different aspects of what a good functioning church community should look like. So maybe when you get home, you can read the whole of Matthew 18 and, uh, and, and understand what I'm talking about. But Peter here has come, come and asked a question. Many of us might want to ask God, how many times am I going to have to forgive those people? Am I really going to have to keep forgiving these people? Lord, surely I don't have to forgive them again. Do I? That's kind of the sense of the question that Peter's asking as he's leading Jesus into a conversation about forgiveness. So I think, I, I think many of us can probably relate to Peter in his question there, can't we? How many times am I going to have to get forgive? And then he mentions some, some numbers that to you might seem a bit random, right? So who, who can remember any of the numbers that were just read out? Anna, seven was mentioned. Any other numbers? 77, very good. And there's one more. No, there wasn't actually one more. I've just remembered. I'm going to tell you about one more. <laughs> Whoa! Carrie's looking a bit bamboozled. I did maths at school a while ago. But seven and a... Sorry, everybody. <laughs> so Peter is asking if seven is enough times to forgive. Now, what's this seven all about? We need to understand what he's talking about when he says seven. The cultural context. So Peter is speaking 2,000 years ago into a Jewish society. And for... In those times, the Pharisees, who were some of the ruling Jewish people in those times, they had a general rule that if you were going to forgive somebody, it's about three times. That was kind of the, the rule they set. They were very good at setting rules, very good at saying this is how you should live. And three times is the number of times that you had to forgive. So if you look at Peter saying seven, he's actually being quite generous, isn't he? So I'm going to go, I'm going to go over and above what the Pharisees said. I'm going to more than double it. That's how good my maths is. Seven is more than double three. Thank you. Um, I'm going to be really generous. And he thinks, yeah, I'm saying I'm going to do seven times. Jesus will be impressed with that. He'll be impressed with how much I'm going to forgive people. That's great. And Jesus doesn't kind of say, yeah, Peter, that's great. He says, uh-uh, wrong. Jesus multiplies it many, many times over. Now, seven, it's important to understand as well, in a Jewish context, that was seen as a per- seven was the perfect number to Jews. So to say 77 is the multiple of a perfect number is essentially a very big perfect number. 
And so what Jesus is essentially saying here is there is, because it doesn't actually literally mean 77 times, what he is talking about is a symbolic number to represent there is no limit to how many times we should forgive people. There is no limit. So in our heart, that's hard for some of us to hear. Some of us may have been hurt many times over and think, I've forgiven, I've forgiven three times. I can't do it anymore. Or I've forgiven seven times. I can't do it again. But Jesus is saying, no, there isn't a limit. The number of times we are to keep forgiving, to keep forgiving, to keep forgiving. And Peter shouldn't really be surprised when he hears this because he'll have been around when Jesus was talking in Matthew 6. Now, some of you may be familiar, Matthew 6 is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. Matthew 5 to 7 is the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus teaching his, his disciples. It's about, it's about how we are to live as followers of Jesus, that passage. And so Matthew 6 is a very familiar passage to you, often known as the Lord's Prayer. Many of you will have heard of, of, of that uh, phrase, the Lord's Prayer, as Jesus' guide for how we are to pray. And he says in verse 12, familiar words to many of you, I'm sure, and forgive us our debts or our sins, as we have also forgiven our, sin, our sins or, or our debtors. He goes on to explain in verses 14 and 15, Jesus says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So I think what Jesus is really getting at here, which Peter will have been aware of when he's asking that question, is he's identifying that a lack of forgiveness, a lack of forgiveness and bitterness can create a real blockage in our relationship with God. And it creates a blockage in our relationship with others. A lack of forgiveness creates a blockage in our relationship with God and our relationship with others. So there really is no limit to the number of times we need to forgive in order to restore our relationship with God and our relationship with others. So I say this might be really hard for many of us to hear. You might be thinking, have I really got to keep forgiving that person for the wrong they've done to me yesterday, last week, 15 years ago, 25 years ago? That hurt I was caused, that wrong that was done to me, have I really got to keep forgiving it? So to help us to understand this point further, Jesus tells a parable. Now some of you will be aware of what that word is, some of you won't. A parable essentially is a story. And Jesus used lots and lots of stories like parables to tell, make a point. And parables really just make one main point. So they're not supposed to be allegorical or, or to be read really literally. They are to make one central point. Now to tell, to act, to, to, to tell this story, I'm going to need seven Volunteers. Oh my goodness, Alex. I didn't even finish the word volunteer and your hand was in the air. You were standing up, desperate to be involved. The first person I need actually is a volunteer is an adult though, okay? And you're going to be a king. So who wants to be a king? You can be, you can be male or female for this. We're not going to be. Yes, excellent. You need to come to the front, I'm afraid. Brilliant. Here we go. We have a king. And this is going to be your throne. It's not a very glamorous throne, but... Uh, there you go. And you get to wear a crown. Perch it on your head. Great. That's courtesy of the English heritage, that crown. Looks great. Okay, so we've got, we got our king. Um, and then we need a servant. Oh, Amelia, your hand was up there. You can be the, you can be the first servant. Alex, you're going to get a chance, don't worry. Um, 
Come on, Amelia, do you want to come up here? And you just stand there for now. And then we're going to need uh, a fellow servant. There's lots of repetition here. Alex, come on, Alex. You can be the fellow servant. And then we need two other servants, Jairus and Anna. That's great. And then we're going to need two jailers. That's an exciting one. Have we got any? Oh, Andrew wants to be... Andrew got very disinterested until the jailer term came up. Okay, we'll have a bless Sam and Andrew as our jailers. All right. So this is your cast for this story, everybody. Now, I need to probably just move, create a bit of space. Just move this out of the way. Right, so you don't, you don't know where to stand, do you? That would be helpful. Let's have our jail over here. So if our jailers can go over here. Uh, Alex, if you want to come this way. Amelia, you come this way. We've got our king over here. Great stuff. Okay. So, this story, now we're going to have, uh, I've got to do loads of things, actually, Jairus has drawn these, uh, drawn these out here, which is the amount owed, so we need to, could you give that to the king, please, just to help me out with that, and who was my, who was my, um, who was my other servant, fellow servant, I've lost track, no, it was, it was actually, it was, I think it was you, yeah, anyway, Right, okay, so let's, let's tell this story, and then I'll ask you to stand where you are. No, stand where you are. I'm going to stand over here so I can kind of direct things as we go, hopefully. Um, this level of multitasking is wonderful. Okay, so, G, so I'll just read the bit that Andrew, uh, Aidan read, and then it'll lead us into the parable. So then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And he went on to tell this story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who, want, king here, who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. So that's uh, Amelia, I think. Amelia, you go over to the king. So the amount you owed, amount owed, 10,000 bags. Um, uh, da, 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 where were we? 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that debt be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees. Go on, Amelia, fall on your knees. There we go. Before him, be patient with me, he begged. Look like you're begging for patience. <laughs> be patient with me, he begged. Um, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master, that's the king, took pity on him. Cancelled the debt and let him go. Now, I've got a, we've got a pen, actually. Where's my pen? Yeah, King, could you just draw right through, scrub through that? There's a sign of it being cancelled. Very good. Good crossing out. Um, there you go. It's gone. Thank you, King. So, uh, Amelia, you can stand up. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants. His fellow servant is Alex. Alex, stand next to Amelia. Now, Amelia, you're going to have to do some more acting here. But when the servant, he found one of his fellow servants, he owed him a hundred silver coins. So that's all he owed was a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him. Don't actually grab him and try and choke him. But he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees. Alex, fall to your knees this time. Towards Amelia, she's over there, yeah. Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison. So, Amelia, can you go and throw Alex in prison, please? Just over there. That was good. 
until he could pay the debt. When the other servants, so uh, Anna and Jairus, this is your moment. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master, that's the king, everything that had happened. Did you tell him everything that's happened? Then the master called the servant in. So now you call Amelia in. Anna and Jairus, you want to step back a bit? Call him back in. Uh, call him back in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers. Here come the jailers. To be tortured until he could pay back. So take her over to the jail. Go on, Andrew. Good jailing. Jailering. It's a jail, I'm not sure. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from the heart. Excellent. Well, wasn't that well acted, everybody? Great king skills. That was great. We'll put that there as a sign of where the king was sitting. Okay. Zach, Zach, you've got your own crown over there. Zach likes wearing a crown. Okay. So what's really going on in that story? We had a king who was very, very rich. And the servant owes him the equivalent of many millions of pounds. That, that figure of, of uh, 10,000 10, bags of gold in modern day times would be the equivalent of many, many, many millions of pounds. An amount that no one could, there's no way anybody could pay that back. Okay. Um, an amount so he can never pay back. But the king changes his mind on the basis of the humility and the desperation of the servant. He lets him off the debt altogether. But the servant doesn't then show mercy to his fellow servant who owes him far less. And this enrages the king. And he throws him into prison. It's a very dramatic and very, uh, very powerful parable. And it's actually a really fascinating parable that illustrates great, the great contrast, two great contrasts. What God does for us and what we do for others. So two contrasts, what God does for us and what we do for others. The story highlights four things, which I'm going to quickly go through, so don't worry, I've got a, a long four-point preach coming up here. Four things that are relevant to us as a community of followers of Jesus when we consider our, the importance of forgiving one another. The first thing it highlights Verse 35, um, he says, this is how our Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The first thing it highlights is, as hard as it can sometimes be, forgiving others who have wronged us is something we must do. We must do it. As hard as it can be, we must do it. The second thing it highlights is that forgiveness comes from the heart. It's not something you can box up for special occasions or give a special quota to it. The Pharisees wanted to give a special number of just three times. And when you've done it, nah, it's done. I don't need to do it again. Or Peter perhaps was looking for her seven times and then I've done it and I don't need to do it again. But the king, as we saw in verse 27, he was moved with compassion for his servant. And the king, while it's not a direct parallel, illustrates something of God, God's love for us. 
God so loves us that he forgives us even our most grievous sins. It's not a mathematical equation, three times, seven times, 77 times. It's a choice we make and an act of the will that comes from our hearts. The third thing it highlights is God's forgiveness of us far outweighs the forgiveness we need to receive or give in our human experience. The king in this story forgives a debt so much greater than the debt the servant was owed. Our sin and our rebellion against God is so much greater than anything anyone has ever done to us. And yet Jesus forgives us completely when we come with, to him with humility, desperation and gratitude. Now it's not always going to feel like that. As I said from the start, I'm sure there are many here that we, us listening to that thinking, are you joking? You have no idea what that person's done to me. You've no idea how wronged I was by, by that person. As somebody put on my Facebook, twi- my Facebook feed, there are some things that can never be forgiven. Some offences that are so hideous they can never be forgiven. You must be joking. But I believe that with the power of the Holy Spirit ministering to us today and from now on, it's possible for us to understand the context of the wrongdoing we've experienced in this life and to see that the grace of God helps us to move forward in forgiving even those most hideous of things. And the fourth thing it highlights is our ability to forgive is on the basis of our understanding of the grace of God. It's unconditional and it's free. It's between us and God and has a direct implication for those that we need to forgive. So our ability to forgive is on the basis of our understanding of what God has done for us. To illustrate this, I want to conclude by reading an account of Corrie ten Baum. Many of you may have heard of her. She was a Dutch watchmaker who, together with her family, came to Germany during the Second World War to try and help Jewish people who were escaping from the Nazis during the Holocaust in World War II by hiding them in their home at great personal cost as her and her family were arrested and sent to a concentration camp. She, in a biography of her, there's an amazing account of how she forgives a concentration camp guard. I'm just going to read this to us because I think it's incredibly powerful. After the defeat of Hitler's Nazi regime in World War II, Holocaust survivor and Christian Corrie ten Baum returned to Germany to declare the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. One evening after giving her message, she was approached by a man who identified himself as a former Nazi guard from the concentration camp in Ravensbrück, where she had been held and her sister Betsy had died. When Corrie saw the man's face, she recognized him as one of the most cruel and vindictive guards from the camp. He reached out his hand and said to her, A fine message, Fräulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fräulein. Will you forgive me? About this encounter, Corrie writes, I stood there. I, whose sins had again and again been forgiven and could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? 
It could have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out to me. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I'd ever had to do. I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temptation of the heart. Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. As she reached out her hand to the former guard, Corrie says that something incredible took place. She continues, The currents started in my shoulder, raced down my arms, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. I had never known love so intensely as I did then. But even then, I realized it was not my love. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. Powerful story, huh? And Don Carson is quoted as writing, if we have glimpsed anything of the magnitude, and this is what Kerry shared with me online this week, which is really helpful. If we have glimpsed anything of the magnitude of the debt we owe to God, our forgiveness of others will not seem such a large leap. If we have glimpsed anything of the magnitude of the debt we owe to God, our forgiveness of others will not seem such a large leap. Corrie had been, had experienced such hideous torture, torment, suffering. And in that moment, she articulated, she found, she couldn't find a way to forgive others, even in that most hardest of place. And yet the power of God reminded her of the forgiveness she had experienced and also enabled her by the power of the Spirit to forgive this man. Incredibly powerful. Other religious traditions and worldviews, maybe like some that were expressed on Facebook with me this week, set people up as trying to pay back God for all the sin and wrongdoing in the human heart. However, as Christians, we know we can never do that. We can never earn our way back to God through our lives. Live one day in your own shoes or in my shoes, you'll see that I can't live any day without getting a whole heap of things wrong and sinning against God in my mind and in my actions. And we know that the forgiveness of God, Jesus dying for us, taking the punishment we deserve, but gloriously rising to life, conquering sin and death and the separation from God we deserve, can bring the freedom and forgiveness that we need. So forgiving others, when seen through the lens of all the forgiveness we've received from God, can be utterly liberating, as Corrie Ten Baum's testimony and maybe others that you've experienced here can testify to. And it's crucial for living in healthy relationships with our church family and with our wider world. So we're going to kind of conclude things there by, by singing uh, and, and, and Helen's going to come and, and lead us in a song. But this song is all about the mercy that we've received from Jesus. And I don't know how this is all landing with you, all that I've shared with you today. I don't know how it's landing with you. But I want to encourage, encourage you as we, as we sing now, as we reflect now, I want to encourage you to allow God to highlight areas of unforgiveness that may be in your heart towards others. 
That might be painful, that might be difficult. But I want to encourage you that it's a safe space in the presence of God and in your church family to do that. And I also want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to come and meet with you, to help you, to give you the power to forgive others. So as we sing now, let's be asking that God to come and do that. And I just want to pray before we sing. Holy Spirit, I thank you that in our weakness you are strong. That where we know there is unforgiveness in our heart, Jesus, you can enable us to forgive. I thank you, Jesus, that when we look at you and all that you have done for us, the incredible act of love for us, because you love us, that forgave us of all the wrong that we have done, that meant that separation from you does not need to be a reality anymore. We can know you intimately because of your forgiveness for us. When we recognize the huge amount that we have been forgiven, Jesus, would you help us to come again to look at our human experience and the experiences we've had with fresh eyes, empowered by your Holy Spirit, to realize the forgiveness that we can give to others. Please help us now as we reflect, as we worship, as we come with fresh adoration to you, Jesus. Do that work in our hearts now, God.